Welcome listeners to a new installment of the 2020 season of Praxis. If you're starting with this episode, you can go back and listen to the trailer or the first episodes for some more information on the show. If you're subscribed, it's super easy to do just that. If you aren't subscribed, you should get on it. You can do that at all the places you listen to podcasts or by visiting praxisradio.com and clicking on Praxis. This season is a return to a radio show road trip I took five years ago in the summer of 2015. Last week we were in Denver, and from there I drove north, along the edge of Wyoming and Nebraska, and eventually into the Black Hills of South Dakota. I was welcomed by a group of activists who were working on building a large black snake, a puppet that a line of people would operate at a protest the next weekend against pipelines in the state capital of Pierre. The group gathered was super hospitable, fed me bison burgers that evening, and let me camp out at this artistic home base for the night. In the show notes, I have a link to another interview I took while in South Dakota that is referenced in today's show, one with two of the large network of indigenous people who, in the summer before Standing Rock, were laying the groundwork for anti-pipeline direct action in defense of their land and water. There are also some further resources to learn about the current state of that activism and Indigenous-led campaigns across the country in the show notes. I really enjoyed this conversation you're about to hear because we got to dig deep on crucial deep ideas like self-care, mutual aid, and decolonization, ideas that sometimes in our rush to keep moving can be degraded into simple slogans. I hope that you enjoy it too. Here's the beginning of my phone interview with Chaz Jewett, an organizer, rancher, and member of the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe from August 26th, 2020. And I haven't been here for 20 years, so it's been kind of an adjustment as well. So, um, and I'm, I'm living on my family's ranch. Um, we've had this land, we've lived along this land since 18, at least 1832, maybe 1823. I, we don't know for sure. Um, because that I have lost in my memory. Um, I think it's 23, uh, but we, I did always uh, tell folks it's 1832 just to not be a liar. Yeah. I mean, long yeah. enough, right? That's, that's right. It's a while, that's right. Those 12 years compared to all that time. Yeah. yeah, that's right. We've been here since before South Dakota was a state and since before we signed the treaty of 1868. So um we outlasted both of those things so that's interesting yeah when you think about it in the course of of human events uh a lot has changed since the jewets have been along this yeah for sure i thought i'd also i should just let you know that i'm recording now i might not use any i just forgot to tell you and i don't want to i don't want you to sue me or anything for no, I Not assumed so. you were. Okay, already. good, so good, that's good. Why, yeah. All right, yeah. Well, um, I don't think it matters too much that you didn't listen to the old one. It's really great. Um, basically, we, we talked about your history organizing. You were talking about doing anti-racist stuff in Rapid City. Uh, pipeline, supporting all the anti-pipeline stuff. We talked about climate change. We talked about indigenous leadership. We talked about... Yeah, that's most of what we talked about. That's obviously glossing it over, but um, well, yeah. and when was it? Do, what what year was it? No, this was, was summer twenty fifteen. So it's wow. Right, so it's before Standing Rock, but y'all were doing all the preparation. Like I went out and met Leota, Iron Cloud at the Rosebud Camp. You know, and yeah, this was okay. before they broke ground. Uh, 
at Standing Rock. So, I mean, a lot has happened. So that's why I'm coming back to all of these. That makes sense. And I bet it'll be interesting to to listen to everyone. Mm-hmm. My life has changed 100% since then. Rather than rely on my quick summary to Chaz of our July 2015 conversation, here it is. Then we'll get into the ways her life has changed, as she says, 100%. So if you want to start just by introducing yourself and a little bit about who you are and how you ended up organizing. All right. My name is uh, Chaz Jewett. I'm a uh, member of the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe. I started organizing in, in around 2002 with the Sierra Club, doing environmental organizing, and uh, um, learned what an organizer was then. Before then, I guess I always have been organizing for a long time. I've been organizing my whole life because pretty much, you know, I like to visit and share information. So that's what I am. Yeah. Yeah. What are you What are you working on now? Right now, I'm I'm um, working on. Oh, geez. Well, we've got a lot of like race war kind of things happening in Rapid City. Well, in the country, and so um, I got myself in the middle of a process that is a crisis um, intervention model, an indigenous crisis intervention model. So we've been using that to sort of engage folks in Rapid City, uh, pretty much the racist, most racist, you know, um, uh, place in in Western South Dakota. Um, And, you know, there's there's a lot of segregation. It's pretty much two different worlds. And if people, white people, we don't know each other. We don't mix. We tolerate each other as opposed to um, genuinely respecting and, and, you know, honoring each other. And so that's where we're at. And this is, you know, 200 years in the making, the colonists living in our sacred lands kind of situation. Um, and so it's a, it's a huge, you know, it's a huge thing. And, you know, as an organizer, you try to keep at least some distance from yourself and what you do. And this has been... Um, incredibly difficult for me so um, to keep that distance and so it's one of those things is you know that we do if we do this for a long time I've been organizing for 15 years or so whatever um, you sort of you know think if this is going to be the thing that makes you you know go to teaching <laughs> or leave it you know to do something else or uh you know go to farming my 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 dream whenever I think about not organizing anymore I think about um farming and like doing a goat farm and and doing a whole big farm and actually that's something that you know I've been dreaming about for a long time so maybe that will happen but it seems like I get stuck up into you know what what's happening and I and issues um Um, with the race stuff and the KXL stuff. I've been doing that for, you know, a long time. And so I can't really abandon it, you know. So I, so I got to stick with those, those kinds of, you know, that stuff, the environmental stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the, the history with the pipeline and uh, where everything's at now? Yeah. So, well, I mean, I'm not, I don't really pay attention to what's, what's, where it's at right now. You have to ask Sabrina for that. But, um, I, uh, you know, the PUC stuff, everyday stuff, I don't, not paying attention to that so much because I really, you know, there's the, it's stuck, you know, in South Dakota, we, we, we granted the, um, um, keys or, um, 
TransCanada the permit mm -hmm. um, already, and you know, in the processes um, of which I'm an intervener for, um, they've basically said that you know that folks who are intervening now at this point have no standing, and you know, the only people that really matter are the people who intervened in the first time, and um, and now we can't consider you know the differences in in the environment since then, so we can't consider climate change, you know, so it's like there's no there's been so what they're saying TransCanada in a, reapplying for this permit is that nothing has changed at all in the in the years that has since they got their permit um which is 2010 right and so you know it's 2015 now and we're like in the midst of you know last year uh two years ago in rapid city we had an atlas a blizzard uh called atlas that you know shut down the um the town of Rapid City for several days and, um, you know, killed thousands of livestock across the prairie and, and had a huge impact. And, you know, for them to deny that, 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 that climate change exists, that, that came in October, that blizzard. And so, you know, that's totally strange. And, um, you know, they, there's, there's, the ferocity of that blizzard was something that no one has seen before, and I've never seen. I'm 43 years old, and, you know, things are different. The birds are singing earlier, later, you know, there's, the insects are, are bigger, the, you know, or, you know, I don't know, you know, there's, yeah. it, it's here, it's changed, and everyone knows it. You know, five years ago or so, I was riding horseback at the ranch with my little niece, and it was January, and there was no snow on the ground, and she, and my niece and my little sister and they and they both like sort of like we started talking about how weird it was and they both teared up and said it's supposed there's supposed to be snow now you know and like things are supposed to be the one way and things are totally in, in a different way and you know as indigenous people we live so close to the earth you know we have we have all these you know challenges with uh you know living in a dying world and so a lot of our young kids choose not to live. They, they, they do suicide and they do things. They see the world around them and they choose not to live here. They choose to go, go back to, you know, wherever they came from because this is a dying planet. And they see that. And why would, they, why would we all want to, to pretend it's not? And yet, in order for us to be... Americans and not and be you know sane we have to pretend that we're not killing the planet and uh you know a lot of people can't do that you know a lot of people on the margins of our society can't do that and so you know it's difficult so you know being indigenous in this world is tough and we're doing what we can, and we're rising now on, on a huge, you know, huge level. And we're doing what, we're doing what we can because we got to step up. You know, the, our people, the Lakota, we signed a treaty with the federal government. We weren't conquered. We saw that the 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 writing on the wall was that we weren't going to, you know, be able to push them away because they would keep coming. And so we did the best we could, and we and we signed a great treaty with them, the Treaty of 1868, which was ratified with the federal government. They ratified that treaty. That the treaty is the is the is the utmost law of the land, of which we live. It's never been respected. You know, it's mm -hmm. never been been honored. And you know, you know, as Lakota people, we always have to take the high road, and well, that and that puts you in a bad position when the people willing to take the low road are willing to take the lowest road that, you know, kills everyone on the well, planet. 
Right. right. I mean, so where does that leave? Um, so now there's obviously, like among the Lakota, but among indigenous people around the world in general, are leading on climate change and on addressing it. Uh, I think, you know, because yes. some people never forgot how to how to do this a way that worked for thousands of years, right? So how how does that play into that dynamic, that kind of high road dynamic when it... Well, you know, I think, you know, two years ago, well, last, last, last February, we had a water meeting in Rapid City that sort of changed my perspective on a lot of stuff. You know, we had our, our, our spiritual leaders, our political leaders, our revolutionary leaders all in, 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 in one room. And we, we heard the um, stories of the, of the Fort McMurray uh, Athabascan peoples, and we heard the stories of the, you know, the tar sands and and all of that, and 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 we rose up with ferocious language, saying, "This is enough. You know, we're not going to let that pipeline through our country, because that's the only thing that we can say about this. That's the only thing we can say about that. We can say it's not coming through our land, and you know, our land is all of Western South Dakota." You know, even if they don't recognize it, the federal government and the and the state government, even if they don't recognize it, that's our land, the Aboriginal treaty lands of which we own by law. And so if they don't want to respect that, they don't have to, but we're going to enforce it. And I think that's what was the genuine, um, you know, kind of agreement with our people in, in our people and you know to get our people to agree on anything is pretty amazing and so and also there you know our spiritual leaders told us you know we have to tell our stories and we have to um you know let people know who we are so that we can you know bring them around to our way of thinking we have to reach out we have to make more relatives we have to make more allies we have to you know just really um you know allow ourselves to 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 um you know, change the, the direction of the world by uh, reaching out and, 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 and doing the things and standing in unity. You know, I think that's, that's the point. You know, I mean, we're all, you know, we might not all agree on nothing, on, on a lot of stuff. Um, but sure enough, we're all going to be standing there on pier, at, at, at pier on Sunday, mm-hmm. um, you know, together um, to let folks know that, you know, it's got to stop, you know, we got to stop it. And, um, you know, I think that it's a, you know, it's a powerful time, um, on both sides and, you know, they're, um, they're, they're going to continue to do as much as they can, um, in order to, uh, you know, use all the resources Mm -hmm. and we're not going to be able to survive that need and that greed. And so we're going to have to change the way we think about things, the way we live, the way we, you know, what resources we use on a daily basis. You know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, this is all personal, you know, this waking up, this going forward, this, you know, choosing, um, you know, we over I is, it's all personal Mm -hmm. and you have to do that. Each of us have to, has to do it, has to get to that place, has to do the work and figure out that, you know, so it's, um, you know, it's a challenge and, you know, it's an organizing um, is difficult right now, and um, um, but rewarding and fantastic, and 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 and, and uh, um, super necessary. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, yeah. and critical, critical. Yeah. So you know, it's a good time to be an organizer. It's a bad time to be an organizer. <laughs> it's just kind of you know that, that kind of stuff. You know. Mm-hmm. So how I want to kind of loop back around. Yeah. Um, to doing 
environmental stuff and that's your background and you can't really look away from it when you know a pipeline is going to come through the black hills like as you were saying Mm -hmm. um sacred place um yeah beautiful place i can attest Mm -hmm. now that i'm here um but then how does that loop back into work with racism and how how are those do you feel like they're connected do you feel like people are making those connections you know, I made the, that connection, I think, for myself personally um, this this last year, uh, uh, which is, you know, which makes me seem a little dim-witted having done this for so long, just figuring it out. But, you know, for me, you know, I think that um, um, with with what's been happening with the Ferguson and, the you know, the, the minority disproportionate population in our prisons and, um, you know, just the militarization of stuff, you know, that... That you know, this we we're we're reaching a crescendo, um, where you know where people um, are have have our resources and they're being treated badly, and you know our human resources are being depleted, just like our environmental resources, and so you know that's something that. Um, you know, I sort of knew, I've, you know, I've been doing this peace and justice stuff and um, restorative justice. The very first act that I, political act I ever had when I came to Rabbit City was on police brutality. A man was shot wielding a knife from 20 feet away. And, and so, you know, I had to, you know, stand with my people and say, that's not appropriate for our sick and, and our, 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 you know, um, incapacitated people, our drunk people to be dying on the streets. You know, there's other ways to deal with these situations. And so... You know, it's all the it's all the same thing. You know, the respect of the human, respect of the earth. You know, and we are the earth's people, and so all that we do to the people and to the earth are the same. You know, we rape and and exploit the people, and we rape and we exploit the earth. And so until we stop that, which is huge. Because it's ingrained and mm-hmm. it's in our system and, and, and it's, and it's, and it's, you know, um, intrinsic to our identity as, as, as Americans to believe that we, you know, were, um, came up out of nothing, that we manifested destiny, mm-hmm. that, you know, this was, you know, something that we created this, this is this beautiful, amazing country. And, you know, there's so much wonderful, amazing stuff about America that, yeah, you know, it is something like that. But, you know, but there's some fundamental things that are wrong and our wrong has been, you know, bleeding out to the rest of the world. You know, the, the, I mean, the wars of, of choice and for resources are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how um, have there been any ways in which working against the pipeline? Because I know across across the country, there's kind of like partnerships between native people working on it, ranchers, you know, like all of these kind of seemingly unlikely partnerships. Is that is that happening here? And is that helping kind of break down some of the barriers and start conversation around race? Sure. You know, I think, uh, you know, the, some of the more committed uh, um uh, white allies, cowboys, or or what have you. I don't like to say cowboys because my there's a lot of Indian cowboys too, and my people were cowboys. I grew up on a ranch. I was, I'm a you know fifth generation rancher, so you know we're cowboys too. So, but you know Indian cowboys and Indians is not. Um, it doesn't. Um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's words that describe, you know, a whole bunch of different people. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, that, that there are some, some folks who, whose eyes and whose worlds have been, um, have been opened, uh, to unlikely friendships and alliances and things like that. And, and because of the pipeline, sure. Um, you know, are those things, you know, translate into the other parts of the movements? You know, it's one movement that we're doing. It's the people's movement. You know, the people's movement is also the earth's movement. And, you know, they don't, you know, the earth, earth movement, people don't get that. And so they spend a lot of resources on the earth and yet, you know, really have a lot of disdain for the people. Hmm. And so, you know, um, you know, there's a lot of anger, you know, but the people are doing it. The stupid people who don't know, the stupid people who, you know, go to Walmart, the stupid people who, um, you know, who, who, who use all these resources unknowingly, you know, some of our, some of the folks in our movement or the environmental movement can live with not any, using any resource, you know, um, a, a very like, um, uh, non, um, um, exploitive world, right? They can live in, in situations that have them using no plastic or having them, you know, eating organic food and, you know, growing it or doing all this stuff because they have that privilege. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a very privileged movement that, that the, the environmental is very, very environmental movement is very privileged. Um, you know, they, they talk about, um, you know, they, they, they ban GMO foods from their parties. They, you know, do, you know, um, um, you know, they have, you know, um, you know, catered local foods at their, their meetings and things like that. You know, it's like, and, you know, and then they have the, you know, Indian people who are here living on styrofoam and, you know, and souping up with, you know, with, with buckets and just, you know, I mean, living, having to do the necessities of living in a poverty kind of situation, you know, those two worlds, those two guys, are they talking more? Maybe, you know, maybe things are going, you know, I mean, I do mm -hmm. think that, you know, within each of the movements, even the reproductive just justice movement, of which I've, uh, you know, hugely a part of, I got to spend some time with Gloria Steinem earlier this summer. And, and, you know, and I was a part of uh, defeating two abortion bans in the state of South Dakota. I, I've, 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 I, I'm deeply entrenched in that movement as, as well. Are those women standing on the lines with us, you know, in, in, in protecting our children about, you know, um, um, in racism kind of stuff? Some of them, some of them, sure. And so that's a good thing. Um, but, you know, all of the movements have to be decolonized, right? Mm -hmm. They have to be, you know, they have to understand how we got here and understand that, um, um, you know, the, the harms and, and, the, and the wrongs that were done and, you know, be able to rectify that within, the, you know, within themselves and, and, then, and then be able to, you know, work in a transformative way. Yeah. Right. How do you think that's done? I mean, is it just talking about it? I mean, these are so taboo being from, you know, a place that's not as extreme as Rapid City. But, you know, a lot of my family lives in kind of a similar area of like segregation right. and they're right. over here and we're over here. Right. How do you think it's just busting open those taboos and, you know, well, you saying, know. saying white supremacy at the press conference and right. saying genocide right. at the press conference or right. what is it? I right. Mean, well, a little bit of both, you know, a little, a little bit of that. I mean, I do think that, you know, there has to be brave, courageous people 
who are willing to um, to have these conversations in a real way. Um, you know, people like, I mean, yesterday we had this, we had the, the Chamber of Commerce, um, we had the, the you know, the, the, the president of some banks and some, some businesses and some, you know, some people who are, who are standing up and saying, hey, you know, we don't want to be known as racist city. And we acknowledge that, you know, we're not going to solve the problem, but we're engaged in real authentic talks. So, you know, those people have to also have this, you know, and, and I did, I, you know, I, I, cause I know all this stuff and all these movements. I said, you know, you guys, you know, one of those, um, we're talking about the Keystone pipeline, you know, and I was like, and how do you guys all feel about the Keystone pipeline? And then a woman's like, well, I don't know what the official chamber uh, position is. And, and I said, you know, well, what you need to know is all the Indians are opposed to it. You know, that's the divide between your people and my people. You know, we're all opposed to it. My aunt, my aunt, who's one of the most uh, conservative women, uh, you know, of uh, that I know, she said, "My girl, when are you guys going to stop that pipeline? You know, you gotta, we gotta stop what's happening, and we're trying to do that. But you know, we're, you know, you know, racism is one thing, environmentalism is another one. You know, women's rights is a, is a, is another thing. And but, but you know, we, all of us, I think, you know, organizers are trying to figure out, hey, we're, you know, this is kind of the same thing, and. As soon as we get people from each of those movements ready to stand with each other, ready to share their networks, ready to share their resources, then, you know, then, then things will change. But, you know, and hopefully that's going in that direction. But, mm -hmm. you know, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? You know, I mean, I, I, feel, I feel hopeful some days and some days I don't. You know, you do this work for a long time and, um, and you, you start to see the things that matter. Um, and, you know, I, I told you yesterday that... I, uh, you know, I, after this last election, when we lost so badly and we didn't do anything and I put so much energy into it, I was done. I was going to go do that goat farm and I was ready to be done with it. And then this stuff happened and I felt drawn to it and I felt like I had to do it. You know, I, as someone who's been organizing in Rapid City for a long time, I knew I needed to be a part of this conversation because it was, you know, almost my responsibility. You know, the first thing about being a Lakota is to be a good relative. You know, it's our, it's our most important um, um, value is to be a good relative. And you have to know that you're related to everything, the birds and the bees and you and the bears and, 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 and everything, you know. And so when this happened with our kids and with Alan Locke being shot, I, uh, I knew I had to be a good relative and do the things that I knew how to do, which is to talk to people. And so now we're talking about racism, you know, and, and, and so I can, I can, with my experience in all these movements, see how it's all together and I can have those, all those conversations. So, you know, I think that, you know, as more organizers like me sort of get to that, you know, realization that it's not, um, we're not in isolation. It's not just one movement, or it's or it's not it's it's not you know segmented movements. It's not multiple movements. It's not the environmental movement. It's the people's movement, and the people's movement includes the earth because it includes indigenous people, mm -hmm. and we are of earth, right? Yeah. Well, we all are. It just is accepting it as a fact, right? Right. right. Than that's a, that's so true. Humanity. Yeah. I mean, we're human beings, yeah. I and mean, that's what we said yesterday. It's so far hard for hard. It's not hard for us to be human. It's not. We just have to remember how to do it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, time, the clock's ticking, but I think that as more people realize it, hopefully the, 
the infrastructure is still there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing about that. I mean, America is so wrong in so many ways, but the strength of it in some ways, I mean, is the strength of how, how short the project has been so far, mm-hmm. you know, a couple hundred years done a ton of damage in a couple hundred years, but there's, you know, the, the portions of the indigenous population that are here, it, it's not very long ago, No, you know, and that's still... No, 150 years. I mean, my, you know, my grandfather was born in 1890, you know, that was the year of the, of Wounded Knee. You know, my, my grandmother was born in 1902. Um, so, you know, I've, I, I, I span that, 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 um, that bit of, um, history in one family. You know, my dad was, you know, the, 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 the 10th of 10 children and he grew up going to the boarding schools and being, you know, being stolen from his family as a five-year-old, you know, and, and, and then beaten by, by priests for speaking his language. And, you know, the, the, the amazing thing about, you know, this movement, this, what's happening right now is that there are people, Indian people who survived that and who can lead this, you know, imagine how amazing we are as human beings because we can overcome what colonization did to us just last year, you know, just, it's ongoing, mm-hmm. you know, the genocide is continuing and we, we live with that and we know that, you know, they, they told us to be educated and we got educated and now we're angry, you know, I mean, you know, it's a two-edged sword, you know. Mm-hmm. They want us to become Americans. Well, I am an American, and I know the law, and it's not okay for the, what's happening. You know, it's not okay, you know, for the for the industry to be running the the Congress and to running, you know, making all the decisions, to making all the decisions in the parties. You know, the industry has taken over and 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 of everything. So it's all industry, mm-hmm. and so you know, we're not just workers. You know, I mean, that's what they think we are, and and buyers. You know, mm-hmm. they just wanna want us to sit around and 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 um, consume. You know, and you know that's not what America is. Mm-hmm. That's what America has been told that they they are for the last ten, fifteen years. You know, you can see it. You can see it since the Reagan administration, since mm-hmm. since you know the corporatization of things, and 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 you know the, both parties are are uh, complicit mm-hmm. in the destruction of our ideals as Americans. You know, mm-hmm. both parties are giving themselves over to greed and and glory, and mm-hmm. and have left the people behind. And so you know the people are rising up. You know, you get what you what you what you do. Do we are we going to get it together before it's too late? Good question. We'll see. Yeah, we, I mean, we question. will literally see. Good you question. and I are young enough to, like, right. we're going to find out right. if, it, if we win or not, I think. I'm pretty confident that we're going to see. Uh, yeah, well, and we got to do a lot of work, you know. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the thing. I mean, so much work. It's it's so huge, you know. Where do you start, you know? Wherever you are. Yeah. I, think. I mean, I don't that's know. Where, right. where do you think you start? That's right. Well, I'm, you know, I started, do, I'm doing racism full time. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing now. You know, I'm, I'm you know, and, and the, the good thing about me is, you know, as, as an organizer, I've always learned, you know, was, if I, am I still being effective? Are they still hearing me? Am I still doing what, what, what the people want me to do? Um, you know, is, and, is, is, and, 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 you know, this feels right. This feels like this is what's supposed to be happening. And, um, you know, and I, it's always like, uh, you know, um, 
it's always uh, uh, a tenuous place where you where you are in front of the people, and so um, you got to make sure that you don't go too far ahead because they won't follow you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not, you know, in any way saying that I'm a leader of the people or speaking for the people or speaking for anyone. You know, I'm speaking from my own experience as an organizer, and I'm, I'm, and what I'm saying is resonating with a lot of people, a lot more people than than were five years ago. That's mm-hmm. for sure. I haven't changed one bit in my <laughs> rhetoric, but now people are liking it, and people are supporting it, and people are, you know, joining with me and saying they agree, and you know, so there's there's some kind of awareness and some kind of awakeness, ha- awakeness happening. So that's good. Yeah. yeah. And then is there anything else just the last couple of minutes we have that you want people to know or learn about or think about? Well, I think I've been pretty in-depth with you all, um, um, in, in all of this and stuff. So I guess I couldn't really add to, to any of it. But, you know, I, I do think that, you know, the um, women and, and um, reproductive justice and environmental justice and, you know, racial justice... It, it's all the same. It's all the same thing. It's all the same tactics. It's all the same, you know, words that we have to be able to to say to um, um, to communicate better. You know, I mean, and you know, we're we're real connected. We got the internet. We got you know Twitter. We got all of these things. So we're um, at the cusp of being able to create some one big movement. But, you know, I think folks are waiting for Martin Luther King um, to come out um, um, or to a one of those people to come out. But what what it isn't is it's not a bunch. It's not it's not Martin Luther King Jr. It's a it's a bunch of them. And there's you know in in different parts of our of our country, different leaders are going to emerge. And and you know those folks we have to congregate around. We have to support and we have to let them. And we have to you know be comfortable with sharing sharing spotlight, sharing the media, um, you know sharing resources, sharing information. You know, I, I I always step back from a movement where, where folks hoard information and they hoard people and they hoard, um, you know, all, all that kind of stuff because that separates the people. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an organizer that if you talk to me in five minutes, I tell you every single thing I know this last week. This is what I've been doing. This is what we're doing. This is what's happening. And, you know, and that's just the kind of organizer I am. And I'm sharing information, all the information, what I, what I, what I honestly think about all the things, you know, um, authentically. Mm-hmm. And if I'm wrong about those things later, I'm wrong about those things. And I admit it and I move on and I learn and I grow. And I, you know, I, I, if I, if I, you know, make a judgment about people that turns out to be not true, I, I admit it and I grow from it and I move from it, you know, because, because, you know, we, we have to be able to, to be wrong about stuff and to be, um, teachable. You know, so many of us, you know, organizers or, or people, humans, we, we sort of walk around thinking we know it all. And we have a very self, we have to be self-assured and, you know, we have to, you know, be a, um, you know, we have to be a success and our, you know, the out, yeah. outward appearances. And, you know, really what we are is just, you know, afraid, you know, severely frightened human beings, all of us. Uh, because we we feel that separation from each other, and you know, as 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 a Lakota person, I know I'm connected to my siblings. I know I'm connected to my my parents. I know I'm connected to my people. I know I'm connected to the earth. I know where I belong, and so 
that's the, the reason why we are capable of leading these, these movements. It's why we're capable of going through what we've gone through in the last 150 years and still able to, you know, sit nicely with white folks without, you know, going crazy. And, you know, it's, it's because we, 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 we know our place. And, you know, everyone, America's got to figure out their place. You know, we're not a superpower. We're, we're a scary, scary place. And we're, we're on, a, on a path toward, you know, leading the world toward devastation. You know, we like to, you know, we, we like to, you know, you know, um, you know we're, we're proud of ourselves and we like to be over proud and, and, and that's dangerous. And so, you know, as Americans, it's, as human beings, we all have to be, um, you know, we, we have to get humbled in order to be hum human mm. and America needs to be humbled and the people need to humble it. We need to humble her. We need to humble ourselves. And then maybe we can, you know, rise from the ashes of what we've created and we can save it and start planting some trees and you know, do some hemp and, you know, make some, some decisions that, that, that mean something more than, you know, some fat cats, uh, you know, yeah banking pouch you know we need to you know we need to be sensible about stuff and we need to value stuff other than stuff right yeah i can i can be down with that right yeah well thank you so You're much welcome. for talking to me and uh yeah yeah i hope we win i well <laughs> we got to there's no other choice yeah yes yeah all right we're done then that it'll be interesting to to listen to everyone my life has changed a hundred percent since then so yeah do you want to just start the, there like what are you up sure. to now what's changed sure. so 2015 I um well now like I said I'm home on the res and uh since then I and I'm not really organizing anymore I know you we were wanting to, to know some 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 movement stuff but I really step back uh probably been quarantining for a year pre-pandemic in a way uh, uh here on the res uh just because i think you know after standing rock and then you know what what was happening in rapid city both of those things kind of you know just blew my mind and my expectations out totally out of the water for you know success in 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 both ways uh, Sandy Rock and the work in Rapid City and and they have both forced me to stop organizing so so it's been um, really pretty tumultuous in the last uh, few years since that happened um, but you know the the one thing that you can count on is that Keystone is coming back around right that's all still yesterday and today I know there's a lot of actions happening here on the res uh, against the man camps that they're building down uh, on the on the, on the north uh, southwest corner of my res and you know I, i'm still uh, a, one of the litigants in that against the keystone pipeline and one of the sierra club litigants because i i have a little bit of land down there near the the keystone pipeline path you know we won and yet still we're seeing a lot of activity down uh, in the, at the man camp area down there. 
So I think what's happening is that Trans Canada thinks it's going to um, be able to get the permits quickly and so continue to do work. You know, this is the administration for that to happen. Just think it's uh, it's post, it's, it's pre-Trump. I've been thinking in my head about 2015, uh, what it was like, and we had no idea then what would happen that the Trump administration would come, come to fruition. It wasn't even in 2015, but even the thought, I think, that he would win. Um, mm-hmm. So it's crazy. Uh, it's it's so crazy thinking about it now. And, and you know, truly, in my perspective then has changed so much. You know, I would have considered myself, you know, at least standing with the Democrats, um, I guess, you know, before Standing Rock. But now, you know, I think I, I see them as both as, as enemies of, of the people and the planet, right? Um, I've come around that far, but also, you know, in, in leaving like the Democratic Party for good, it was it was Standing Rock, right? That was the Obama administration's pipeline that they fast tracked that the Democrat, you know, he bypassed uh, permitting processes, the Obama administration. So that's why I really and plus, you know, the the violence that came upon us, the state violence. Um, there at Standing Rock, which really shocked me. And the reason why I left the work in Rapid City had a lot to do with that violence as well, because the night that the water was um, shot at the protesters, I don't know if you remember that, but it was freezing temperatures and and below below zero temperatures, and they were spraying water cannons at, at human beings, right? Mm-hmm. I do remember the- that. Yeah, those folks uh, were the Pennington County Sheriff was in charge that night. And and the Pennington County Sheriff is where I was doing the police brutality work in Rapid City, right? So so it came around full circle. Even though I was up at Standing Rock, I was still working with the folks that were spraying water at us there and trying to work with them in a good, in, in good faith. And I realized that I can't, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, 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 continue that work in any kind of way so you know after Standing Rock I really sort of was unable to go forward in in a good way with the work that I was doing with a good heart because I saw that you know that the that it was really pointless for us to engage in conversation with white folks uh, white Mm -hmm. supremacy with police brutality right I'm, I'm all I'm totally down with where the Black Lives Movement folks are today in burning down police stations, right? Sure, I mean, yeah. We're, yeah, like that's, I'm there, you know, we're at the point of violence and, well, and, and we have been, right? But we haven't, it's that understated violence that we don't recognize as violence mm-hmm. uh, uh, that we've been letting go for so long because we're good people, right? Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a, amazing to hear that story because, you know, back in 2015 when we talked, you were, making these connections we were discussing the connections between like state racist 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 violence and climate change and degrading the earth and how it's all kind of part of this white supremacist project and I find it really interesting I guess I'm wondering what do you think you said it a little bit but with Black Lives Matter and I think a lot of white like I don't know progressive liberal people are encountering some of these ideas for the first time amid these Black Lives Matter protests, ideas of abolishing uh, state violence through the institution of police. 
Right. Well, I mean, what the history of policing? I mean, just go to that. You know, I mean, I mean, we were, you know, I le- I learned. You know, I feel so in some ways that I was sort of naive. I mean, I have been. I always am so naive as I walked in this in this life. I think my dad and mom did a great job of sort of protecting me from the from the ugliness. Even though I did grow up with a lot of violence, you know, but still I had, I had the ugliness of this the state violence. You know, I I think that that's the the reason why we've been able to have this uh, state for 500 years, right, the state of white supremacy, the state of white violence and white silence, and, is that we're just good people, right? We we don't want uh, violence, and yet uh, that's the only thing, really, that's going to make any change, right? You know, I mean, think that, you know, we've had these sort of half measures, the Gandhis and the, and the MLKs, and, you know, and so we get, we, we want to be the change, and so we we, we try to be as peaceful and as loving and as, as thoughtful about our, our, our carbon intake, you know, all, all of this. It, it's also personal, right? And when it's actually the, the perpetrator of all the violent, of all the bad stuff is the, is the state violence, right? It's not the personal, mm-hmm. it's, it's the state. And, and truly we're dumbed down in this nation. And so we don't have the ability to imagine another way of living. So many, so many people, right? It's, and not just white people, but, everyone that has to live as a cog in capitalism you know if we don't have time to really imagine other ways to live imagine another way without policing you know imagine even another way of living without violence the violence is a direct result of great culture right it's the it's the if you don't get what we want we're going to take it and that's how capitalism is and and so it's all, um, you know, if you're not actively doing that violence, but you are through these subversive ways, because we've dumbed down our humanities to a point where they don't even recognize where they're being, when they're being tortured, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't. When, when we, we, uh, um, we are bombarded on a daily basis of, you know, torture against, uh, against women, torture against, uh, you know, people of color, black people and, and, and indigenous folks were erased and we're tortured on, uh, in our psyche every day. And, you know, I just think it's so wonderful that folks are starting to really wake up about it. And, and that's a, the great thing. You know, I, I do think this is a wonderful time of, um, as, as always it is, uh, of healing, right? Healing is ugly and it's beautiful mm-hmm. at the same time. And so, you know, hopefully... Uh, we can, those of us who are still, who are able to, can imagine and start to enact what the world's going to be like post 2020, right? We're going to continue, we're going to continue, we're going to survive as Indigenous peoples, we survive, we always survive. Mm -hmm. And what is the, what is our 2021 going to look like? And how are our communities going to have changed? Who have we lost in the pandemic? Who have we lost in those other pandemics, those, the genocide pandemic, you know, because we're in a, in a post-apocalyptic world, right? The indigenous folks in in Turtle Island, we live in a place that's already been uh, ravaged and yet we still live. And Mm -hmm. so we can help guide, I think, folks through what's coming next Uh, we just have to have to imagine what that is right yeah yeah and that leads right into a couple things that I wanted to ask you about based on our last conversation and you know I think that like I was just saying about this language around abolition 
is kind of working its way up through the consciousness into people who haven't thought about it before. So especially in the five years since we talked, I think the ideas of decolonizing have mainstreamed somewhat into like mainstream as far as like into mainstream white dominated movement spaces i think there's a there's a buzzword sure. quality to this right oh, now sure look we and have I, acknowledgments exactly everywhere. We, have, we have we're you know that's yeah, yeah i'm glad we, you know where i'm going with this um right so i guess i worry i worry like as a white i worry that i have been guilty of this i worry that other people are going to misunderstand and oversimplify this really complex process and idea so I don't know, I guess, what what do you think about that? How do we actually, like, do the work of decolonizing both, like, the movement and also just the world, like, our society, this place we live well, together? Well, well, that you know, that is right, that we have to do it ourselves, right? We have to do that decolonization in ourselves. And what does that mean for each person? That's a different, it's a different question, you know? First, you have to ask yourself, how do you benefit from capitalism? How do you benefit from white supremacy? And then you got to, you know, imagine how to change that, right? You know, how do I, how, how, what do I want to do with these benefits? White people have money. They need to be giving it out. You know, I love the mutual aid stuff that folks are, are really, truly helping each other. And things are being transformed by community as opposed to by the state, right? Mm-hmm. Well, because the state the state is such a failure you know it's a total failure and so we're realizing that community has and will step up and and and, and act as if and, and and create that world that we need to create we're already doing that you know i mean those people are on the street in the in portland and seattle and all these places and they're throwing it down next to each other you know i try not to watch it because i am my my spirit is is so um burdened a lot with all that so much anymore you know i i am not desensitized anymore to the, the humanity that we see on video anymore really and so it bothers me a lot. And so I, I try not to watch any of it. But I do, right? I mean, I mm-hmm. do, you know, when Charlottesville happened, I literally was catatonic. I couldn't, I couldn't get off of my bed for three days. And I watched it on my phone. I just watched it all, like, oh, the lead up. And then, you know, and then, you know what happened after that? I, that's when Creator stepped into my life and said, you can't, you can't just do it that way. You can't just sit there and be and be glued to it. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, that media stuff, you know, the social media stuff is so, is so destructive in so many ways, so helpful in, in a lot of ways, but so destructive in so many ways and for our society and, uh, you know, our little egos are, are so wrapped up in our little phones. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's a personal challenge, right? We all have to overcome that ego. And, and once we do, and we, and, we, and we spend some time in prayer or ceremony, then we're transformed into, you know, vessels of, you know, of creators. You know, we can, we can perform uh, to our original stru- instructions as Indigenous folks, right? We, our original ways of being, being, being of, in relationship and, you know, grounded in prayer ceremony and you know relationship with the earth right we were just watching the demise of our, our surroundings like it's a 
like it's a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like we shouldn't be having that popcorn. We're just watching the, the ice melt and the ice shelves, you know. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if you do, but I do. I watch that stuff and there's nothing I can do. And that takes so much out of my, my spirit. So I try not to do it anymore. Sure. I've been transformed by participating in the Ojibwe ceremonies, the Niviwa. I started in 2017, right after Charlottesville happened. I creator said, really spoke to me in a way. I'd, I'd met Sharon Day just randomly at a political event. I was organizing. I went, went to went to some kind of public policy conference or something over in Minneapolis. I was starting a new political action committee and I was going to work on getting Native candidates, all this stuff. And then, you know, I met Sharon Day and she said, you should come on this Navy walk. And I said, okay, um, sure, whatever, you know. And then I, I was like, I didn't even know what that, what a Navy walk was and what I was very dismissive and polite and thank you, you know, mm-hmm. and I moved on. And then two weeks later, uh, I had been like catatonic for three days and somehow creator said, you know, get up to North Dakota. And I got up to the border of North Dakota and Sharon uh, and her water walkers uh, were carrying water from the source of the Missouri River. And I joined them and we carried it down to where the Mississippi is, which is, you know, over 2,000 miles. And it transformed me. And that's why I think I'm home now for real. It's because, you know, uh, we, we walked the Red River. Again, I've walked three or four rivers since then with her, Sharon, and we walked the Red River and I realized that as as myself, I didn't have to do anything more. You know, I've been organizing for 20 years. Uh, you know, I could I could really step back, you know. And so right after that that walk, I went and bought the chickens. Mm. And so I've been just wanting to really hunker down now for for myself and so that was in 2017 I I really put myself into a different place I I have ducks now and and I take care of ducks and I love that it makes me really happy and chickens and so I have I've been pretty much food sovereign for a while because we have you know we're cattle ranch we've been ranching here for a long time but I brought some chickens and some ducks we had some turkeys but they all died I can't even believe it can't even tell you what the turkeys I'm the worst chicken turkey person in the whole land I swear to god gotta go to my old my old urban neighborhood where there were wild turkeys that nobody could get rid of oh Take oh, one no, of those the and bring it up. Here. Yeah. The wild turkeys are here. I could go I could go, go hunt one of those up yeah. if I wanted to be a hunter girl. Uh-huh. But I just I was trying to raise those suckers and I just mm-hmm. couldn't. And I feel bad about it. But anyway, yeah, we have eggs and and uh I'm trying to thinking maybe I should, should get some pigs so I can have bacon as well. But if I don't have to buy stuff from the store, then I'm not a capitalist or I'm not participating in the system, right? So sure, I'm trying yeah. to live in another way. Uh, where I can, you know, feel free and not dependent on on a system that's broken and that's breaking things that needs to be reimagined. And mm-hmm. So, like I said, the mutual aid and all those things, you know, I think since since 2015, that's what's changed, you know, so much. And, you know, jokingly said about all the acknowledgments, that's too something that's so amazing that has changed. It's like that, you know, all of a sudden we have a name again. Mm-hmm. You know, we have we're, we're people again. There's a there's a number you can call and find out whose sovereign lands you're standing on, right? Yeah, you can text them. You don't even have to call. Right. 
2015. So, hey, you know, we're, it's happening. It's happening. Mm -hmm. So there's good stuff, you know, oh my God, you're making me feel so much more hopeful just even having this conversation. Yeah. It's funny when we talked, uh, when we talked before you, you talked about your desire to sometimes leave organizing and go start a goat farm. So you didn't mention no, goats, but I, like, yeah. Okay. And you were all like, right, right. and you were saying then like you couldn't leave yet. And I got to say, I just really applaud your decision to take care of yourself because yeah. I think especially women and especially yeah. women of color and indigenous women, but all women yeah. are really expected to sacrifice forever. Yeah. And I think that yeah. that's a really, no, thank I, you. Well, yeah, that's cool. That's cool of you to say. And, you know, and it's true. And I have since my early 20s, since I decided I was going to continue to survive and live, you know, those I made this choice and and I have put myself first in every situation. You know, my dad gave me this wonderful sense of pride and place and in being and that is associated with this place that I've come back to, right? This ranch that I'm living on, this Jewett Creek. It's even named after my grandfather, Jewett Creek. And, you know, he gave me such a, a pride in that, that I didn't have to, you know, be anything else. And so I would always feel comfortable in quitting jobs and leaving situations and doing everything and coming back to the ranch, right? Always had a home base. So I put myself first whenever I felt like I, I couldn't, couldn't do it anymore I came on home and I'm so fortunate right mm -hmm. and I recognize that I'm very very fortunate I love my family you know I'm I'm really happy to be home right now at this time it's these are holy times right these these times of fear and panic these are holy times where we have to uh, bunch up you bunch up with mm. your people right and my dad always taught us that if, if things were wrong and people were sick you know you bunch up with them and you pray and you do those things that you do to survive together right yeah I love that and I'm I'm glad that you share that because I think so much of the country the opposite of that is happening right now and a quote that I pulled from when we talked before, you said, it's not hard to be human. We just have to remember how to do it. And I think that's what we've been talking about this time. But, yeah. you know, something I really struggled with, both because it's in the region I live in, and I know it's in, you know, now that you're out of the city, it's probably better being on the res, but dealing with the ways that the right in this country has come to power and just how inhuman and how that whole politic is just based on having an utter lack of empathy for people who aren't not only who aren't like you but who aren't literally you um that like do you think those people it's just so hard to me you know because I agree with you that it's not hard to be human and to feel that connection but like do you think that these folks are going to remember that and what do you think no, is going on no, there? Like what? No, there's a sickness. There's a sickness. There's a sociopath. There's a there's a deep mental illness that goes along with this grief. And also, so many folks are traumatized. You know, the trauma that it takes to instill that white violence on both sides. On both sides. You know, we we as as people of color and indigenous folks, we feel the violence against us, but also you know the internal white violence to maintain and to support that violence that's violent you know i think a lot of those folks are too fearful and too too traumatized to uh, really change and so we just gotta create without them right 
got to mm. create another world that doesn't let let them in charge. You know, they've been in charge here in South Dakota this whole, my whole life, pretty much. I mean, there was a little time when there were some sensible people. But, no, you know, this capitalism, it's it's a monolith. You know, our individualness, is, it's it's us versus them, right? Humanity mm-hmm. versus, versus greed. So, you know, that way of being has been the way. I mean, we, we modify everything. You can modify bodies, modify trees and, and grasses and, and bees. You know, everything's got a, a, a dollar mm-hmm. amount in Washitu culture and great culture. You'll take it, we'll take what you need physically, violently, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a dehumanizing way, right? Slavery. I mean, all of these things. You know, and that's where the cops come from, you know, which is, you know, why we're at that place. You know, now we have to really, you know, reimagine a new system. And I think we can, you know, I think we can figure it out. I think there's a, a way of doing social work, uh, uh, taking care of society and social work and, and bringing out peacekeepers instead of these uh, attack dogs, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Let's change. They're going to war. We're just living, right? That's what well, I said to the police, the police chief in Rapid City when I, I said, you know, you're going to war. We're just living. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to war with you. We're just yeah. freaking, you know, having our own drama. Yeah. Nothing to do with you. You guys are always, you know, when you're called, you're making it worse. Yeah. Well, and that's something I've really admired just the past, even just this summer uh, in South Dakota, in, you know, so-called South Dakota across like different different groups of Sioux people, other indigenous people, both two instances I'm thinking of blocking the the bikers who came to Sturgis during COVID from, you know, setting up checkpoints to say, like, you're not coming through here. Like, we're trying to protect our people from this virus. And also the Black Hills land defenders whose trial starts today, who were trying to block access to to Mount Rushmore during Trump's rally there. I believe. Sure, sure. I do know a little bit about it. You know, I have been off of social media, right? So I know a little bit, but I know that they, you know, raised a whole bunch of money to do the defense and that's great. And I don't, you know, Rapid City is a hard place. I bet they're going to get convicted. Because the trial, the the people, they, you know, they're not going to support those guys. Like I said, I didn't watch any of the the live events. I didn't, you know, I've really been trying to um, step back in the organizing as an Indian person, you know, because I'd mixed things up for myself personally. You know, the work had become uh, so, you know, we, we as Indian people everywhere we go were taught to be leaders or we have to be representatives of our race, right? You know, we have to represent everyone every 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 time we go so we're, we're we're thrust into leadership right away and so in in politics that happened to me and so i was this whole time for 20 years now i think since i started with sierra club back in 20, 2002 right in rapid city i was all involved in that and so i just really stepped back and i know it's not about me myself but i don't know anything so that's kind of my uh my long way of saying that i think what they did was awesome yeah yeah <laughs> and okay. i didn't get a, and i didn't get a, and i didn't even know it was happening or or anything and i didn't watch any of it but yeah. i saw some a little bit but sure yeah I think you still know a lot just for your own credit 
Sure. Because my friends share, that's the only way. It's because like one, if I'm, you know, my friends share stuff on Instagram and I check that every now and then and that's all I'm only on Instagram. And and I unfollowed a bunch of people that when I, when I came back on, I was like, I don't want to know any organizing people, but then they all bled together. Right. So my Mm -hmm. life is organizing. So there's no way I'm going to get away from it. Yeah. But I spend most of my time uh, gardening this summer and I'm looking into building a greenhouse this fall and um, wanting to really work on that whole food sovereignty stuff. Like I said before, I want to really put myself uh, to use in, in that way. Mm-hmm. Well, now that I'm home on the rest, right? We we ran out of eggs at our local tribal grocery store during the COVID stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that could get worse. So. Yeah. Because that has, hasn't gone away, right? That's still a real, real thing that folks are in hiding. And like and you said that you're in hiding. So that's great. I'm glad because we all should be, you know, yeah. if we just did that and had enough respect for each other. You know, like I said before, like, they don't care that the planet's on fire. and they, they don't give a shit about their neighbor during a pandemic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, the last couple of things I want to ask you, you kind of touched on, but I'm really curious, who, who do you think even if you're not like looking at it every day, who do you think in general is like articulating this other better way for us to be and live like the new world as it were, maybe it's an old world coming back, whatever, however you like to define that. Who do you think is sharing that vision of something different most effectively right now? Like who's inspiring you? Well, see, that sucks because I'm totally like out out of the loop. But I do I have a lot of respect for uh, what's coming out of the Southwest, you know, um, the Red Nation folks and and all that stuff. And but at Sandy Rock, the the fiercest folks who I think came were the folks from Canada, Canadian Indians. They those guys are always uh, really on the front line, you know, um, the tiny house warriors and all those guys up there. So, you know, I think that everyone is, you know, as we're as indigenous people, we're all trying to um, do what we can to help transform the planet. So, you know, everyone has a bunch of uh, stuff to share. My friend, Dr. Christina Castro, the Three Sisters Collective, the folks down in uh, Santa Fe are doing good stuff with the the city, you know, all over the place. There's a bunch of different folks who are really transforming their communities. You know, all of those, I guess that's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm not, like I said, I'm not, you know, but I am not really, I don't know all the tenets of everything. I read somewhat and uh, try to stay informed, but I've really given myself permission to, um, Mm -hmm. and now I have chickens and dogs and, you know, I would have had turkeys, but I'm I'm still still learning, still learning. Yeah. Um, But, you know, we have cattle and and, and horses and, you know, we've been here for a long time and, and, and now it's really about like being here for you know the future Jewels, right I'm, I'm sitting down today because we have a pandemic to do homeschooling of my nephews right that's my job now kind of mm-hmm. in a way <laughs> i take care of the ducks and i administer administration of the the computer programs that are getting them going and and it's been really just a great great little time here so i'm being forced to 
to be at home and and we're you know doing what we always do and which is which is thriving in in our circumstances we as indigenous folks we adapt right that's mm-hmm. why we're still we're still here right yeah and so now you know we as a nation have to adapt to the reality that black folks aren't going to put up with what they've been putting up with no. right mm-hmm. and so what is that going to look like for us as indigenous people what is that going to look like for us as uh as americans that we call ourselves you know so we're really at a critical time and yeah i'm, I'm really glad for that you know yeah. and, and welcome and so glad you know that we can sit and not move around and not pollute the heck out of stuff you know and uh, i'm happy for that you know there's other things there's ways that we can transform uh, things further but you know baby steps and um yeah, yeah I'm really hopefully happy. hopefully you know hopefully we figure it out because it's, yeah. it's going to be a tricky tricky stuff you know mm-hmm. i'm hopeful that it's going to help a lot of people find balance, you know, it's like you said, we're both lucky in that we can, we can do this and stay home and we're not having to go like pick tomatoes right now in the fire smoke and the pandemic. And also, you know, I'm hoping that this kind of forced slowdown is going to click people into something. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of work to do for everybody, like you said, but it looks all kind of different ways. So I'm really, it's been really good to, to talk to you and hear what you're doing and you know, it's all as important. always. It, it's it's all over the place, huh? Right. Yeah. I mean, so that's that's where it is. Um, but usually it's entertaining. So thank you. Yeah, I haven't done any like I'm like I'm not working at all. But you know, we we we, we talked before, so I was like, Shit, yeah. And I I have been working with folks in Ireland too. You know, I, that's the other thing I didn't mention it. But I've been to Ireland twice, and hmm. and 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 it was treated the. A relative there by the Irish folks and I just uh, really admire everyone and I've since you know sort of really learned a lot of their history and a lot of their organizing history you know they've done some some really you know great things to come to be as as people who are uh, live under oppression as well you know that trauma of colonization and mm-hmm. is is huge and for those folks too you know you know all of us survivors have a way of excuse me a way of surviving that that we can really help share guide us all into this the the future right like how mm-hmm. how can we do it well a lot of people already do it it's called mutual aid it's called uh, being good relatives it's called sacrificing you know just a little bit of what you'll never ever spend in your whole life right i mean um that's the other thing that you know the, the billionaires have gotten richer during this pandemic mm-hmm. so um it's not like things have really changed you know there's some a lot of violence happening but things aren't changing um so you know we all just gotta bunch up and take care of each other right so and you know if you gotta fight you gotta fight and so i understand what's happening with with black folks right now and if i was in a in a place where I could, um, you know, make a difference and, and help them out. I would, but you know, I, <laughs> I live eight miles from from a little town of forty three people or something, and we don't have no cops. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but ACAB, right? I mean, the whole system is 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 really rigged to do. Yeah. You know, and I've learned some. Uh, you know the history of policing also too involves you know what what they did to us, and so I've heard some, read some, came upon some crazy history. Um, that we'll have to have an, another conversation because I'm yeah. talking too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's um, a whole but, can of worms yeah, there. It is. So, okay.
Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Uh, it's really yep. great to to catch up with you. And yeah, I wish use, you the best what's... in your yeah yeah in your pickling and uh, the next <laughs> the next round of turkeys, whatever it is. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? All right. So take care. You too. Thanks again to Chaz for talking with me and also to everyone else who hosted, fed, and connected with me in South Dakota. I appreciate the reminder, and I hope you do too, that we're always allowed to change the form of the work we do and allowed to care for ourselves as a way of expressing our deep care for the rest of the world. Thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, share it with a friend, rate it in the store, subscribe, and check out the links to related content in the show notes below. You can also get in touch with me, find out how to support this and other projects, and much more at praxisradio.com. That's P-R-A-X-I-S-R-A-D-I-O.com. Next week, we head northeast to Detroit and then to Montreal to talk anarchy, anarchy, anarchy. See you then. <laughs>